I'm always making a comeback, but nobody ever tells me where I've been. Underdogs, revengers and revivalists thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Hello, my name is Oodles, the Comeback Kid of Podcasting, and today I am joined by the Parry Master Supreme, it's Gadget. Hello. She's back in black, it's Candy Machine. <laughs> All right. He gets knocked down, and he gets up again. You're never going to keep him down. It's Stig. hey up. And finally we have... Oh. Oh. Where's Biggie? Biggie, hello. He's not here today. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it. He had other commitments. So we were just going to press on without him. We will not um, comment much about his his absence today. We do apologise to the Biggie loyalists as well. He will make it up to you all personally and individually. And we do apologise for this podcast being 20% less sexy. Yes, exactly. Uh, But but life finds a way to get in the way of your podcasting. So um, we do have a patron, speaking of that. So um, please give us the information. Yeah, uh, as you to, we have a patron. Uh, we are doing various things on there. We have various tiers that you can sign up for. If you head over to patreon.com forward slash modern escapism, you'll see the three different tiers we do there and what we do on the first one. It's £5 a month. It's Modern Escapees. That gets you an extended edition of this episode every week, as well as a guaranteed monthly special and any other specials we do. For example, me and Noodles did a Loki spoiler special uh, for all six episodes, and we have just released our first episode of Too Faff, Too Curious, with Gadget and Biggie going over the Fast and the Furious um, franchise. That'll have just come out this week uh, and that's going to be free for everybody and then everything after that will be on our Patreon. Um, I had a good time editing that and listening <laughs> to the rants. <laughs> I, I, I had a good time shouting along at that. It was fun. Mate, I was shouting while listening to it. I think, based on what you were saying and what you talk about, I think you're going to enjoy these more as they go. I do. As they get dafter and they try not to be as so poor-faced. Self-aware. Yeah, without getting too much into it, if you people haven't heard it yet, I think the problem was they tried playing it seriously, and I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas I think where it gets silly, I think I'll probably enjoy it. Yeah. So if you want to listen to the rest of that series, you can sign up for the Modern Escapees uh, tier. If you are into Dungeons & Dragons players, we have another one called Scotch Sheep, which is our Do Dragons Dream of Scotch Sheep uh podcast uh we are currently up to episode five as this has been released and if you sign up for that you'll get ad free versions it, you'll get early access and you'll get access to battle maps artworks songs character sheets whatever we put together for the show and you'll also be able to suggest uh, npcs and items for gadget to use and if you're feeling flush the biggie bundle seven pound fifty a month that gets you everything excellent thank you very much so let's start as we mean to go on Biggie, what have you been doing this week? Oh. 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 He's not here still. Okay. Gadget, what have you been doing this week? 
Um, <laughs> well, a few things. Uh, first of all, a little YouTube recommendation for people because um, I was binge watching some of her content last night. Um, a YouTube channel called The Charismatic Voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's an opera singer slash singing teacher, and she react. She does reaction videos to um, songs that her that her audience pointed towards, and the one I watched, which I found absolutely hilarious, was her reacting to Opeth's um, Ghost of Perdition. <laughs> because that is, I mean, if you haven't heard Opeth before, they are a, they're a pretty intense prog metal band, um, very beautiful soundscapes, and then the dirtiest of death metal screaming. And Ghost of Perdition starts with, um, with the, the lead singer just kind of playing this really kind of nice lilting couple of chords. And within 10 seconds, just bursts into the screaming. And she is taken so off guard with it. It's so funny. And she's just giggling like an idiot. And she's this like very quiet, very lovely, kind of very middle-class woman. And she's like, oh, oh my God, oh, my God, this is incredible. And she's like absolutely loving the uh, prog metal noise. <laughs> it's just, uh, and the other ones to watch of hers is uh, Kingdom from Devon Townsend. Because mm. every, every vocal coach reacts to Devon Townsend because he's just such an incredible singer. Um, I've been cracking on with Returnal. I finally got past the first boss after like 30 attempts. Um, that game's incredible. It's potentially bothering uh, Monster Hunter Rise for my game of the year so far. Okay, now. It's really good. And I remember when it came out, a lot of people were saying, is this £70 game? It's a housemark, um, you know, it's a, it's a housemark uh, roguelike. You know, is it worth £70? I actually think it is. The quality of the gameplay, the graphics, the sound, the the story that's unraveling as you're playing it, I think it could be a £70 game. It's definitely worth what I paid for it. Um, mm. But the main thing I want to talk about is uh, the Grand Tour dropped a new episode this weekend. God, it um, did as well. I watched that. I yeah. also did. <laughs> Lock, lockdown, where they yeah. are taking American muscle cars across Scotland. Um and I mean, if you haven't seen the Grand Tour, it's basically you know Top Gear. It's uh, Clarkson, Hammond, and May. Yeah, it's Clarkson, Hammond, and May doing silly shit. And in this one, they are taking some absolutely enormous American cars from the seventies. So Clarkson has a Lincoln Continental. Uh, James May has a rather burgundy Cadillac Coupe de Ville, and Hammond has a Buick Riviera. And they're all these huge engines. One of them's like an eight-liter engine. It's ridiculous. And they're just driving around Scotland. They have to get from Berwick-upon-Tweed to somewhere beyond the Isle of Skye. Outer Hebrides. Yeah, that's it, Outer Hebrides. Um, it's all right. There were some really funny moments in it. Incredibly scripted. Mm. And, oh, and that's s- Well, yeah, but like more so than... Yeah, like they're not even trying to hide the scriptedness of it. I do like that the Grand Tour does show the road crew more than Top Gear used to do, as if the yeah. BBC was embarrassed at the fact that they had a multi-million-pound road crew with them at all times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Amazon like, are like, no, no, we're paying for this. We're, we're showing yeah. you it. That Coupe de Ville is just beautiful. I love it. <laughs> I I need one. I need one in my uh, life. Are you, are you into the Burgundy? Are you? I am. Good luck parking that in Tesco's car park. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, that's one of the gags. I mean, the first you, when they first got the cars out and they showed them, it's like, well, what's going to be like when they get to Edinburgh? And the first thing they do is they go to Edinburgh and try and drive it around the little narrow roads mm. and fuck it up immensely. Um, it wasn't the best one they've ever done, but like I say, there, there were some pretty funny moments in it. I quite like what happened to Clarkson's caravan. Um, I quite liked Hammond in a boat. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you what happens in all these things because it, it is worth watching. The main thing I didn't like in it is you could tell that they were short of content because there was these couple of sections where they showed like 
a, a video of like kind of old stock cars racing and then like what looked like just like an advert for American muscle cars from the 70s. And it just felt like real padding Did stuff. you not notice the other aspect as well of the, the haircut changes throughout? Yeah, yeah. You can tell they filmed it over a few weeks. <laughs> Months. <laughs> I also did notice one thing. Towards the end, they were supposed to be doing a scene uh, that was a typically American town, um, but in Scotland. Um, that typically American town in Scotland was actually in Swindon. Yes. Oh, was it? Yes, it was. <laughs> and the joke about that town didn't uh, pay off. Yeah, it didn't in my land. Opinion. It didn't it, land at it, all. It, yeah, it took me a few seconds to work out. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Mm. It, I, it wasn't apparent to me. And I went, oh, right. Oh, satire. Yeah. <laughs> it's, some of the banter was funny. Like I say, some of, some of it was really good. The, the, uh, what happens to Clarkson's caravan? Me and Pip had to stop because we were just laughing so like hard. James May's he, caravan, wasn't it? No, no, no. In uh, When they're driving through the forest. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was the good because, bit. That, yeah, and that was one of the, those scenes that, that they, wasn't scripted. Yeah, that was clearly not scripted. And they and like and like James, you can hear James May on the mic going, "That might be the funniest thing I've ever yeah. seen." You know, stuff yeah. like that. It's like it that is genuinely, really, genuinely put a spanner funny. in the works. Yeah, like they had to change cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the whole thing with the um the American versus Soviet cars racing in a field that was just uh, that was shit. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's like I say, it's not the best. It's I think it's better than the Madagascar one they released a few months ago. I thought that one was really poor. Yeah, uh, because that was them just stuck on one road, and it was the same thing over and over again. At least this one, they kind of went off and did diversions, and it was a bit better banter. They were they were less annoyed. Mm. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it'll pass an hour and a half. It's 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 nothing on like the Top Gear, like Bolivia special or Botswana specials, which were legitimately incredible television. Yeah, if you've got a, if you've got a tolerance for middle class moaning old men, you'll enjoy it. Because there is you, some good there is some good stuff in it. I I yeah. I, 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 I always used to love, love Top Gear and stuff, even though it's not for me. It's not for you know, the normal the normal citizen. Yeah, <laughs> it's for people that can afford Ferraris. I do think after Clarkson's Farm, though, the, the Clarkson Grand Tour shtick is um, is getting a bit weak. Yes. Like, for instance, like, as soon as the drive past the Scottish border, he starts referring to it as McScotland. Yeah. Or when it starts raining, it's, oh, look at that, it's the McWeather, and stuff like that. It's just like, mm. yeah, okay, come on. You, that's It's an obvious gag that's even too obvious for you, whereas when Clarkson's Farm, I found him a lot more affable and a bit more genial and a bit more entertaining. Mm. It felt a bit um, more genuine, I thought, as well, the farm. Yeah, yeah. Like you I can think tell he was genuine, enjoying himself, learning how to do all these things. I think that helped as well. Like from what I said in my review, is that some stuff he had no idea what he was doing, and he was relying on people to tell him, and they all just kind of put him in his place when he tried to be Jeremy Clarkson, and they were have just kind of like, seen... "Nah, fuck off." <laughs> have you not yeah. seen the videos on TikTok of people filming? Do you know when he were claiming he were digging that hole on his own, that reservoir in the farm? Uh, he make making a dam and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the TikTok videos going around was about four hundred people digging that old, not him. <laughs> no, it will be, yeah. But like, yeah, like it's it's. Uh, I'll, I'll say it again. It's not their finest work, but it's not bad. It'll kill an hour and a half. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Excellent, excellent. Um, I'll go next. Seeing as oh, uh, what's his name's not here today. Forgot his name. Forgot his name. Uh, yes, uh, I've been watching. Um, well, I've been pl- I've, I've been playing a bit of Link's Awakening, the remake. Um, um, basically, got, that got sent to me by, by some like unknown Irish man. I'm assuming man. 
But yeah, that was sent to me on the old borrow. Um, it's a nice little good, game, that. Got some good merch out of it, though, didn't you? No. <laughs> <laughs> some pebbles to throw at passing cars. <laughs> But yeah, it's 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 a it's 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 a nice it's a nice little throwback. This guy. I mean, I think I'm online. I think I've I've done three dungeons, and it's just fun, it's just pure fun. Yeah, I enjoyed it. There's there's bits Not where to... I've been like, ooh, I am walking in circles until something changes. But I'm used to that with type of games I play. Do you know what I mean? Talk to everybody, click on everything, and you'll get yeah. you'll get you get you'll get past. But the main thing I want to talk about is a film I watched. Um, a German film. Ooh, cultured. Um, it's called Blood Red Sky or Transatlantic 473, depending on where you're from, where, where you're from or where you're watching it. Sometimes it's, it's one of those, like the German, I think the German one's called Transatlantic 473 and we've got it as Blood Red Sky. It's direct. Sorry? Empires on a plate. You spoiled it. <laughs> Go bury the lead. Everyone knows what it is. <laughs> uh, I, I, even I didn't heard, actually. I didn't, I've never even heard of it. But yeah, it's directed by Peter Thorwolf, which is quite a difficult name to pronounce when you've got a thick Yorkshire accent. Or um, a thick hangover. And a very thick Sorry, you hangover. Should, you should see the name I've got to try and pronounce later. <laughs> <laughs> it stars uh, Perry Baumeister, uh, Carl Anton Koch, uh, Alexander Shear, who I, I adore, I've seen him in other things, and Chaos Seti. Now, as Stig has absolutely be- not even buried the lead at all, it's vampires on a plane, but I really fucking like this. I really like this film. Now, I'm one of them people where if someone says, like in a WhatsApp group or a messenger, watch this, watch this film, I really like it. I, I like to trust my friends' instincts or if they, they know my taste. So Joe, when you go on Netflix sometimes, uh, Biggie won't know because he doesn't know how to use Netflix. But um, when you go on Netflix and that little trailer pops up straight away, I always yeah. try and skip past it so I don't see any of the film. And I just, I'm just in there. So I had fucking no idea. I mean, obviously, I saw it with an 18 rated. It's called Blood Red Sky. So there's, so, there's something happening. Um, it starts off. Has, has anyone else seen it? No. No. Funny enough, somebody suggested it to me today. So I'm mm. going to. Yeah, it starts off really odd. I mean, it is German subtitles, so get used to it. Um, it starts off like a, a plane's landing, like a big like Boeing plane's landing uh, in a, in an airstrip in Scotland of all places, which it wouldn't normally land in. An emergency landing, basically. McScotland. Uh, McScotland, sorry. <laughs> and um, <laughs> there's like anti-terrorist squads like aiming at this fucking plane as it's landed, and. A little boy gets let out of a plane, like let out of the cargo hatch, and obviously he ain't a terrorist. So they get this little boy, and they're questioning what's happened, why is what, what's been going off, and then he re, re um what's the word recounts yeah recounts he recounts the last twenty four hours of his uh, his life um and it's very interesting. So basically, his mother and the boy's mother and him um. She's seemingly got leukemia. So at the very beginning of the film, she's putting a wig on. She's taking Luke, what seems to be leukemia injection, uh, chemotherapy injections, and getting quite ill off it. Um, you see, oh, God, she's, she's, she doesn't look very healthy anyway, very pale, doesn't like the sunlight, <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> and 
little Doesn't kids like, like the sunlight and has blood cancer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but obviously, in the back of my head, I'm like, hmm, there's something happening here. She even puts contacts in and stuff like that. So I'm like, hmm. So little kid is waiting in the airport for his mum. She turns up when the sun's gone down. Okay, fair enough. Then they get on a plane, normal trip. She's like, don't worry, we're going to America to get some kind of leukemia treatment, I'm assuming. And the worst thing that could possibly happen happens. A terrorist incident on a plane. So terrorists take over. I'm not even spoiling it because apparently this is the trailer. Uh, a terrorist take over. And unfortunately for the terrorists, she hasn't got leukemia. She's a vampire. Wow. Happens all and the time. It happens all the time. You hate to see it. Uh, by the way, the little boy knew. Um, he's not a vampire. He's a boy. But yeah, and then and then basically, yeah, bats on a plane or vampires on a plane happens. You know what I mean? And it's it's really fucking good. Like slick. Is it? Is it like horror or thriller or? Oh, it's horror. Or? It's horror. It's gory. It's horror. It's messy. So, um, so we're not going down snakes on a plane kind of territory here. No, it's not. It's not a B movie or anything like that. It's not pulpy. No one gets bit on the tit. Nobody gets uh, no nobody gets bit on the tip. <laughs> no, but the clever thing it does, it doesn't leave any questions whatsoever. Because throughout the film, she's having the the, the Nadja, she's called uh, the vampire. She's having flashbacks. I mean, I'm going to put a spoiler warning in now because I'm going to start talking a little bit more into the film, but not massively. I'm not going to ruin endings or anything like that. But she starts having flashbacks of her origin because then you're thinking to yourself. Why has a vampire got a human child and stuff like that? Do you know what I mean? But all questions are answered, and that's what satisfied me most. You get some of these films, these horror films, and they have that fucking twist at the end. Oh, there's going to be a sequel. None of that nonsense. It's just, it's just brilliant. I, re- I really liked it. I've looked at the um, critics' reviews on that, and it's, it's quite mixed. I think it's got an 80-odd on Rotten Tomatoes, but that doesn't always mean anything, does it? Not until the film's settled, basically. Um, yeah, if if you liked, um, remember Stephen King's novel Night Flyer or film, the Night Flyer. Did anyone watch watched or read that? I don't remember that. No. That's another flying vampire thing, vampire on a plane type thing. It reminded me of that. It's got a bit of a, it's got a bit of a uh, a diehard theme to it. Believe it or not, terrorists obviously taking over, and she's basically Count John McClane. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just it's, it's just, not more of an Air Force One thing and she's a yeah, yeah. Count Von President yeah Count Von President <laughs> and you root for her all the way through because obviously she, she's, she was going to America for some treatment that's all we know but yeah the, the little kid's really good in it usually when you see a young kid he's about 10 years old usually you think oh this kid's going to be annoying uh, but no he were really good in it the, uh, the te- one of the terrorists is brilliant super camp Super German camp, which is like a step up. Ooh. You, you love a bit of super German camp. So good. I do, I do, yeah. Especially when techno music's involved. Oh, there's techno <laughs> music in it? Oh, oh you worry about it. I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I'm going to watch it. It's really good. It's nice and, and schlocky and gory. And but it's not horror that makes you jump. So if you don't like horror, because there's, there's literally not a single jump scare in it. It's more visceral horror. Do you know what I mean? Like, ooh, yeah. vampires. And the, the, the best thing I did like about it is. When in this universe you get bit by a vampire, you turn into a vampire straight away. <laughs> so when you're on a plane and you can't get off, shit happens. You know what I mean? 
But yeah, really good. I recommend it. I'm not selling it well, but I just it's on Netflix, by the way. Um, apparently, there's an English dub. Don't. That's what I've seen on the on the old interwebs. Don't just stick with the German one. There's a lot of um, actual English in it by English actors and American actors anyway. So there's not technically that much that you have to read. But yeah, it's just it's just it's just really not, really good. And I'm not even into modern horrors, but this one it seemed a bit more. 70s 80s but with a decent amount of like cgi and stuff like that so yeah cool cool you what mate probably will watch it. it's kind of stuff that kate likes to watch so one 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 downside though before we continue um it's too long it's like two hours and 30 no not not two and a half no no it's i think it's like two hours 10 minutes for a horror horror film shouldn't be long in my opinion Film like that seems like it should just be a ninety-minute kind of yeah, thing, yeah. really. But but other than uh, it, it's obviously long because the flashback scenes and stuff like that. But yeah, really good. Anyway, Candy, what have you been up to? A couple of things this week. I've been carrying on with Plague Tale, which I'm really, really enjoying. It's actually much, much better than I was expecting, and it's given me sort of um, almost sort of uh, Last of Us vibes. Um, but the main thing I want to talk about, I went to go see Old by M Night. Sham Shamalan. 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 Um to give you a brief <laughs> I've been worried about that this whole time. <laughs> to give you a brief um synopsis, holds the story of a family on a dream holiday who on the suggestion of the hotel manager, they take a trip to a private beach. Um they're joined by a small group of other holiday makers from the hotel. Soon after arriving at the beach, they sort of notice not all is quite what it seems. Not everything is quite right. The children start growing at an extremely accelerated uh rate and they sort of wow. come to realize that they all have an accelerated rate of aging, which is affecting everyone. And half an hour kind of equals to about a year in uh, in age. Um so with the clock ticking they kind of need to figure out how they're going to get off the beach without dying of old age. What? It's um it's actually based on a graphic novel which I didn't know before seeing it. It's uh it, the, gra- the the novel's called Sandcastle by uh Oscar Levi and Frederick Peters. Um mm. So unlike most uh, M Night films, there's not a massive twist at the end. It's more a, a sort of surprise explanation. He has stopped um, doing the twists of late, hasn't he? Because people expect him. His last exactly. few haven't. Got, haven't, haven't. I think he mixes. Trophy. You think he mixes it up a bit, doesn't yeah. he? So sometimes, like, will it or won't it have a twist? Mm. Yeah, that's the twist. The twist. Oh. Is the twist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I always find his films. A l- I don't know if you're the same, but I find his films can be a little bit hit or miss sometimes. I only yeah. really like one of his films, and that's Signs. Oh, that's surprising. I would have thought mm, it would surprising. have been... Um, Unbreakable. Yeah. No, but remember, I'm scared of aliens, so it's like one of the ultimate horror films for me. Right. And <laughs> I, I, I also can never escape the fact that he did Lady in the Water. I've never seen it. It's oh, terrible. It's dreadful, dreadful film. I like Sixth Sense as well, actually, thinking about it. Sixth Sense is a good And the crappening. <laughs> the unhappening, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, it's the wind! <laughs> Mark Wahlberg's like amazing acting. It's a fucking transformer. <laughs> Sorry, Candish. <laughs> so yeah, this this one unfortunately was a bit of a miss for me. Um, I enjoyed the concept, and it was nice that the film was doing something different. Um, but I think it was just sort of let down a little bit by the script, um, and the cinematography wasn't great, and the acting it was bad um there was there was some really clunky dialogue um and the actors just weren't 
really able to sell it for me. It sort of felt a bit like a lackluster sort of read through rather than them actually being on camera. Um, so not even not even a rehearsal, just when, you know, they're first sort of reading a script, which it's sort of a shame because some of the actors. Um, so we've got Eliza Scanlon, Alex Wolf and Rufus Sewell, who, who you would have seen. And other things, and they've always been solid actors in everything that I've seen them in. I think um, I don't think I've ever heard of them, but it's one of them where you'll know the faces, isn't it? I think it? you would definitely know the face yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, I've seen them put out really solid performances before, so it's not them as actors. It was just something just wasn't quite clicking, maybe for this. Um, there were some scenes as well where oh, this is awful. The, the camera just swings around so much for a prolonged period that I started to feel sick, and I never suffer from motion sickness, never. Um, for example, there's one point where all the characters are kind of standing in a circle and they're talking about what they're going to do. And it's a continuous shot. And as they're talking, the camera just pans around, just swings around the entire time they're talking. Just by the end, it's just, it's completely, oh, so it's horrible. You want to see a, a man complete... throw up on a controller? Watch me play Doom Eternal. <laughs> <laughs> That's motion sickness city, that. That's pretty, and Borderlands as well. People struggle with that. Mm. Um so yeah, effectively, effectively, it was like three full rotations, and when you're on a cinema screen, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> um, it does have some elements of body horror um, that also didn't quite hit the mark. I ended up laughing, and I wasn't the only one. There were other. I heard other titters, titters in the cinema. I, I saw, I saw a trailer for it where it showed some of like the transformation stuff going on, and it looks quite amateurish and like. Like so, even given hmm. the even given the fantastical concept, it's just like, no, that that that, that don't make sense. It's the concept that's that's confusing. Like, don't spoil like, it. I, like I will. Concept, I, I will probably watch it. It's like if you're on a beach that's making you age, leave. Well, that's explained. Oh right, that's good then. Um, yeah, <laughs> get back in the car, so. go home. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. I mean. Story-wise, it's 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 fine. There's no real loopholes other other than maybe some aging elements not quite making sense. Um, but yeah, as I said, the story is quite compelling, and I'd be interested in reading the source material. I think, but it just it, it just didn't quite hit the mark for me. There is um, something so- I've seen in the trailer which I don't get, and I'm interested to see how that happens. And I don't really want to talk about it here because it might be a bit of a spoiler. Um, but yeah, I just. These are meant to be young kids that have grown into adults. And something, it's in the trailer, but I'll. You can spoil I'll a trailer, watch. mate. I, I don't give a fuck. You no, because you, you might have to explain why, what happens in the film, like as to why oh, it happens right. with yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It can allude does, to an answer that yeah. you don't need. Does it explain why um, everyone's clothes grow with the. As I the was going to yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, that's one no. of the loopholes. <laughs> <laughs> They've just got really good denim. Stretches I, just with assumed, the body. I, I assume that they just took extra clothes, maybe. <laughs> in larger sizes, just in case. Because it, yeah. it, it, it's nothing worse than when you go to the beach and you suddenly start aging. I assume that Shyamalan just forgot. I I would <laughs> like this to be the film where people re- c- come out and realise M. Night Shyamalan is not a very good director. He's done way more misses than hits. Way and they more. stop giving him money to make these things. Because he makes money back, that's the problem. But he made the lady in the water, and I I can't stress that enough. He made the lady in the water, <laughs> and Matt Wahlberg. I forgot happening. about that so hard. I need to watch it again. <laughs> don't don't subject yourself to it. Uh, so yeah, that was it for me this week. There's other things that I was uh, catching up on, but they, they're series, so I'll talk about oh, we've them. We've had a little time. horror week, haven't we? Stig, have you been watching anything scary? 
I did watch a horror, but I'm not going to talk about that. Okay. Um, I'm going to talk about two things. First one is um, we watched Jungle Cruise today. Uh, this is Disney's latest uh, summer blockbuster. Turn a theme park ride into a movie. Uh, it stars Emily Blunt, The Rock, uh, Jack Whitehall, Jesse Plemons, and uh, Paul Giamatti. And it's basically a mashup of The Mummy, Pirates of the Caribbean, and Indiana Jones. So it the story is uh, Explorer Lily, played by Emily Blunt, and her brother McGregor by Jack Whitehall set off for an Amazon set off to the Amazon to find the flower of the moon, which is a cure for all ills, guided by riverboat Captain Frank, played by the Rock. Uh, but others are after it, including Germany's Germany's Prince Joachim. Joachim? Joachim. It, it's pronounced various different ways Joachim. in the film. Is it Joachim? It, someone calls him Joachim, and then he's like, no, it's Joachim. Like, like it's, it's, right. a, it's got a pronunciation oh. on it, yeah. But, but there's a purpose for that. because Those dastardly Germans. Uh. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, it's a, kind of a mixture of them, but it apes the mummy the most, uh, even to the point like of, a, where you have... Sounds like Jewel e- of the Nile. An English woman, scientist kind of person, with her buffoon brother exploring something looking for something taking on the services of the action hero so yeah it's and then there is like spooky curses and shit going on so yeah it's very much like the mummy but in the jungle um it's it was enjoyable i liked it there's some funny moments in it the rock and emily blunt have really good chemistry um it's too long it's a bit bit over two hours it could have done with some isn't it is it are they on like a little boat then like a what is that? Is it like I've just looked at the post? It's like a, like an old fashioned steamboat willy type. Yeah, thing. it's set like in the nineteen or seven or something. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah oh, so, cool. Yeah, set like the turn of the century. I just want to see. I just want to see the rock in some like I don't know some braces and stuff and little flat. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's kind of what he wears. And then like people that. going, "How have you got that big in this day and age?" Oh, that's explained. <laughs> is it? All right, <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it could have done with another... one of those old timey old timey weightlifters with a mustache. <laughs> yeah, <I> just invented <laughs> creatine. <laughs> uh, yeah, it could have done with a bit of editing. Uh, CGI is a bit ropey in places as well. Um, for a big Disney summer blockbuster, I thought this, they could have probably done better with the CGI. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a fairly easy plot to follow. Some good action sequences, good set pieces. Um, as I say, the Rock and Emily Blunt are really good in it. Um, even Jack Whitehall, who at the start of it, I was thinking, God, he's going to be the really annoying like character that you're just going to hate actually he becomes quite endearing as more of the film goes on that's that um, chap i watched on the brit awards isn't it yeah that yeah. you didn't like yeah i didn't like him <laughs> yeah i'm not a massive fan of him so when when he started in this and he's all like super posh and uh, like that uh, so he's acting and then. stuff and like he's he's <laughs> a bit um you're a bit like oh god but like as it goes on he kind of you warm up to him a, a lot mm. he's been putting some good turns in as an actor recently he was very good i mean he's playing that kind of Awkward posh British boy thing in most things, but like he was quite good in like Good Omens. He was really good at uh, as uh, Newton Pulsifer. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's. A, um, I think I've heard he's good at some other things as well. But uh, uh, but Jesse Plemons is hams it up so much as a bad guy. He's really great. That's kind of what you want for a film like this, though, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. He's a yeah. hammy bad guy. Um, but yeah, it was enjoyable. I, I had a good time with it. My kids liked it. Kate liked it. We all kind of just sat and enjoyed it. It has really weird section in the middle where it kind of explains something of how something came to be and there's a rendition of nothing else matters well, Metallica. throughout 
by Metallica. Not, <laughs> there's no lyrics, but like, it's like, just, it starts off and it's like, I was like, hang on. It's a lovely like, song. That, that famous Disney-friendly band. And then it's like, it's a bit of a riff on it and they start like playing their own things, but it keeps coming back to it. And it's like, it's like that's a really weird choice. Maybe it's, it's on the from. ride because it's based on a ride, isn't it? Yeah, apparently the ride's really bad though. Just like really crappy animatronics that like... Like the Jaws ride, which just that... Yeah, like... Wasn't Pirates of the Caribbean a pretty disappointing ride in general and they made a massive blockbuster franchise yeah, out of yeah. it? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I don't think this is going to... This isn't going to reach Pirates' success. Um, there's no character in it, like, you know, become massive like Jack Sparrow or anything like that. So I, they might get a sequel out of it. Apparently it's done quite well, um, both on Disney Plus and um, in the cinemas. So there probably will be a sequel to it, but I don't think it's going to have the legs that Pirates had in terms of movies. That's um, if The Rock doesn't sue him. Uh, apparently he's come out already and said that he's happy with the decision. <laughs> right. Yeah, because so. The Rock's not skint. He doesn't need to moan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he's probably sorted something out beforehand and yeah. also doesn't want to uh, bite the hand that feeds him. Of course so. not. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, the main thing that I want to talk about is I played The Ascent. Uh, oh, I'm looking forward to playing this. I've got this installed. Is it any good? Yes, I really liked oh, it. Oh, yes. I started yes. it as well, mate. So this is a twin-stick looter-shooter action role-playing game set in a cyberpunk world developed by Neo Giant and published by Curve Digital. Uh, it launched on Steam and Game Pass on Friday. Uh, you can play it solo or multiplayer, um, both online and couch co-op. So if you don't have you know people to play online with, um, you could play with someone in your home if they're interested. Uh, but me and three of my friends gave it a go online. I had a really good time with it. Um, it seems to have got a bit of some mixed reviews, sitting about around, about an average of around 70%, 7 out of 10, stuff like that at the moment. but. I'm only a few hours into it, but for what I've played so far, I enjoyed it. Uh, I think maybe multiplayer is probably one of the ways to go with it. Yeah, play, playing with other people, like kind of. Usually, I've noticed lately if they've got the option for multiplayer in in a story like game like that, or a game that's like could be single play it multiplayer anyway. I still wouldn't have put it in if it wasn't kind of designed that way. Yeah, I think so, it's, it's, it's like the Sea of Thieves thing. You, it's yeah. perfectly possible to play a Sea of Thieves but by yourself, bother? but it's much, much better with, with people. Exactly. Oh, yeah, so much better. But yeah, I, I love the aesthetics of it. Um, this looks so much better than Cyberpunk. Yeah, it does. does. <laughs> it's it does. such a better looking city. Like, you go into that city and you hit with the, like, this is. This is Blade Runner. Like Mate, the police mechs and the fucking other mechs I've seen in it, they're incredible. Yeah, the layout of the city, the look with all the lights, the vehicles flying around, the weird yeah. and wonderful creatures. Everything just clicked with me. But the one thing that I'll, I'll talk about for the gameplay is the music is incredible. Um, it's exactly how a cyberpunk game should sound, like mm. full-on synthwave and... Um, like I said, you get those proper Blade Runner like feels from it, like with the music. Um, so even like people who might have had issues with the gameplay and other things, uh, the one thing they really nailed, I think, is the music. Uh, it's by Pavel Blaskavac. I probably did not pronounce that right at all, but Blaskavac, Blaskavac, maybe. Yeah, there's two Z's and a C and K's in there. So I'm sorry if I couldn't pronounce that, but <laughs> yeah, it's on Spotify. The whole album's on Spotify. So even if you're not interested in playing the game, just give the music a listen to. If you're into that, it's it's really good. I'm, I'm looking at some screenshots on on, a, on the Game Pass app. The middle. I've already got this installed. I just haven't had a chance to start yeah. playing it yet. I'm, I'm loving how stacked the city looks. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's like, it's like level on top of level on top of level. 
Yeah, like, which is I think one that's one thing that Cyberpunk kind of missed out on because Cyberpunk was very much you're on ground level all the time. Um, and the whole thing with like you know with Blade Runner and with a lot of cyberpunk related stuff is it's you know cities have got can't get any bigger wide so they get bigger tall like Mega City yeah, One yeah like Mega City One where you get layers on top of layers on top of layers or like yeah. um, like like Midgar in Final Fantasy Seven yeah. stuff like that so like yeah it might sound like a bit of a complaint when we we got lost we couldn't find each other at times <laughs> so that sounds a bit stupid but it's because of the actual the way the city is like layered on top of each other and and like you, you can use icons and arrows to find each other easy enough but yeah it's it's so good we found the kebab shop as well so that's the important thing <laughs> uh, you you've got you've got to have a kebab while you're cyberpunk oh yeah a cyber kebab but when you look through the window you see a dead body on the floor so i don't know what kebab they're serving <laughs> probably, probably the a same donor. kebab you've ever eaten Oh yes, yeah. mystery meat kebab. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. This is a it's a top down view. So the likes of you know Disco Elysium, Hades, Diablo, that kind of view. Look down. Um, I really like the view. I think it works really well for the twin stick shooter. Uh, I know some people have had problems with it, um, mainly due to like text and commands being a bit too small. You can you so, can you can put it up though. I did. Oh, you can, yeah. I, I had no problem with where I, what my screen I was playing on, but like, I agree with some stuff, like some of the vending machines, you can't actually figure out what it is. You go up to it and it just says, like, press X to and spend this much credits. Yeah. But you, you can't actually tell, like, is it a med, Medikit one or is it a stamina one or is it, like, some ammo one? Like, that's the only kind of problem I have there with, like, not being able to see stuff, but... It'll get think, patched. Yeah, I think the, it works fine, like, perfectly for the gameplay. Um, for me, um, it runs smooth, fluid, pretty easy to get to grips with. Once you get to the groove of like dodging, cover shooting, when best to use like your augmented melee attacks, it just clicks. And I really, really like the shooting, especially when you get like a meaty gun. Mm. Like when we picked up the shotguns and the rocket launchers, it was like, oh baby, like just going up to someone with a shotgun and just blasting them back feels <laughs> really like satisfying. It's, um, um, the, the the combat is giving me vibes of like uh, like Ruiner and uh, Nex Machina and stuff like that, like other twin stick shooters. But like they they both had that cyberpunk aesthetic, and it's yeah, it's got that same kind of very bright lights, very neon, lots of particle effects. Oh, it looks lovely. Yeah, I, I, and to be honest, like to be honest, like aspects of like gears with like the cover shooting and, and the rolling as well. Um, uh, but yeah, if you've got an elite controller, I suggest using that because you can stick some of the buttons to the paddles at the back. Uh, it makes it a lot easier. You don't have to take your right thumb off the the right um, thumbstick. You can kind of just whack a grenade or a cover into those paddles, and it just makes things a lot smoother. I won't go on too much about it, but yeah, there's just there's so much to do. Uh, plenty of like side missions. Exploring gives you the ability to pick up weapons, upgrade components, mods and orgs, which makes things a lot of fun. And it's Enemies- free as fuck, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Enemies <laughs> enemies drop loads of armor and weapons which you pick up and use. And the cool thing is if you're playing multiplayer is if one person picks it up you all get it. Yeah, so if, nice. Yeah. So you Clever. don't yeah, you don't miss out. If if you have someone in your party who isn't picking stuff up, it doesn't matter because everyone gets the gun, everyone gets the armor. How you then choose to level those up and upgrade them and change them is up to you whether you want to keep them or sell them or attach them. That's your you know, prerogative, but like you all get the same stuff, which is really good. And another thing with the multiplayer, which I liked, is that it spikes the difficulty. Um, it scales it based on how many of you've got playing and how many how experienced your party is. So the cutscene is for like one bad guy will come through the wall, but yeah, yeah. there'll be four because there's four of you, so you have to take four out. 
but that's not really that's, an issue. That's fine, though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And the, and the city is, I, I think it's open, but you can't get to places because they just block you off with harder, harder guys. It's what we call in the trade, meat walls. Yeah, so we so we level fives, and I was I leveled up. I was oh level up for level five, and we went like a tiny little bit forward, just bumping into a bunch of level eighteens in one shot of dissolve. It's like <laughs> ah, so we can't go that way. <laughs> Let's go around the other way. So <laughs> so the city blocks you off from going places um, mm. until you actually get better. Um, like I said, some people have had complaints. It is getting you know average reviews off some people it's got really good reviews for this so there are a few things they could do better could do with a run button i know like if you push the control the furthest the characters do run but they could do with a little bit faster you, you find yourself pushing the roll button to like move forward quicker uh there was issues with ray tracing and dls um s on game pass for pc really and x and xbox so i don't know if they've patched that now but I'm running a 1060 and it looks really good on my computer. So if you've got an Xbox One X or a really good graphics card with ray tracing, if that's all patched up and running now, that game is going to look absolutely stunning. Uh, so there was that, which is, isn't much of an issue. It's, wow, like you, a couple of hours, you might not have it. It's patched in now, whatever. Uh, the map's shit. That's one thing I don't <laughs> like. Oh, I noticed that. That, that two oodles out of it. Then he hits a he hits a bad map. I, I know one of the first thing that I was like, no. Yeah, the map is. is it is it as bad as the map in Control though? Because that might be the no, worst map I've used. That's what I was going to go to. No, no, it's not that bad. <laughs> no, and yeah. I am a keen cartographer. Yeah, it's it's. <laughs> if you're trying to figure, you kind of get to grips with it. It's okay. It's adequate. But when you it? first load it up, you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I cannot make heads or tails of this, especially when you're in the main city part where it's, like you said, there's levels on levels and you're like, I don't know where this map is not helping me at all. It certainly is not control. No. Though. Yeah. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I had a good time with it, especially with my friends. We're going to play some more of it um, tomorrow. So that'll be Monday, just gone when you hear this. Uh, it's a ridiculous over the top cyberpunk twin stitch, twin stick looter shooter and it's fun. So I enjoyed it's, it. It sounds like something we need to do a group stream on. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Yeah, really fun. One thing that I did find funny as well is that when you all go into a cutscene to talk to a guy who's giving you some exposition or, or a um, mission, you can still move around. So like one of the guys was talking to and I was just running around in circles <laughs> and ducking up and down and fuck, rolling on and off the screen just to fuck around, which was just fun. Just little things, <laughs> stupid things like that just made it a bit fun. Yeah, it's sent. I've rambled on. Sorry, uh, but that's no, no. Uh, it's the hot game of the moment. So yeah, absolutely. We had to keep this. We had to kind of push this on a bit, didn't we? Because someone's <laughs> missing. Uh, yeah, there is something missing <laughs> in this episode. I can't, f- for the life of me, think what it is. Yeah, the ascent. It's good. So, uh, Biggie, what are we talking? Oh, oh, okay. Um, Stig, what is our main topic this week? I was going to try and do my best Biggie impression then, but I don't think I can do it. It's got, apples and pears. I'm from the south. I haven't got the pears on the. This week we're talking. <laughs> this week. <laughs> no, I got the pears on the sexiness. We're talking about chimney sweeping. <laughs> oh, it just reminds me. We watched we, my daughter and I. We we watched the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe film. Uh, mm. This week, and Ray Winston is the 
Beaver, and it's just, it's so shit. He sounds so bad. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, yes, this week we're talking about our favourite comebacks of all time, whether it's an actor we thought we'd never see again or a huge sporting comeback or a band getting back together and absolutely killing it. Um, that's what we're doing. That's it, in a nutshell. It. It's a very simple topic, this one. But it's, it's, it's really engaged me. I like it. I'm a strong advocate for a really good comeback. I've killed two podcasts and comeback fighting. So <laughs> I, I did I did think his was gonna talk about himself. <laughs> <laughs> this time I'm getting paid. <laughs> but yes, we're gonna start with you, Gadget, because as always, you are usually the number one on my screen. Fair enough. And in my life. Well my comeback would be Ray Winston, the line of the wish no um, <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Green Day. Um, so Green Day, perennial pop punk artists of the nineties. You know they they came out the they came out the blocks running with Dookie in nineteen ninety four. You know dropping some massive singles like Longview and Basket Case, banging out when they come around, and they kind of blew up. And they, I mean that was like their third album, I think. But then they then they suffered from the major label success. We've got all the rock and roll and drugs in the world. And they released a string of what can only be described as deeply average albums. Like Nimrod. Yeah. I mean, Nimrod wasn't bad, but it wasn't good either. Warning was dull, folky punk, which didn't really set the world on fire apart from maybe Minority. I think it was the only good single from that album. Yeah. The video of that was good as well. The parade. That was... Mm. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's, that, that's what I mean. But in general... <laughs> very yeah. good. Pound for pound, not good albums. No. Um and uh um, Macy's Day Parade d- didn't even chart. Yeah, yeah. Know, yeah. Which was such a weird song to pick from that album as a um single. Single, yeah. Um but 2004. Oh, in 2004 they came back. They've been away for a few years now. Up until that point, they've released an album every 18 months or so. Yeah, so Dookie came out early 1994, then Insomniac was like the next year, which Kind of sold well on the back of um, yeah. uh, Dookie. Uh, Nimrod was about, well, just shy of two years after that. And then Warning was a couple of years after that. And then there was kind of, there was this gap where they stopped for about four years. And it was hailed as, the marketing was hailed as this great comeback for the band. I don't actually think it was a comeback, but it was a, it was a return to quality. It was, it was sound- a welcome home from rehab. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that's that's true. You know, uh, I mean, the lead singer Billy Joe Armstrong, he he lost all the weight. He got sexy. He did get all, he put eyeliner he, on. He, yeah, he put the eyeliner on. Had the tussled hair. All the all all the all the little teeny bopper uh, girls went mad for him at the time, and he spawned a fashion. Yeah. Of this kind of pseudo punk goth look that he had. Yeah. And they came back with American Idiot, which sounded nothing like anything they'd done previously, but. As soon as you heard it, it was the sound that Green Day were looking for throughout the 90s. Like, Duke, uh, Dookie was this very high energy, high gain, very... It was what happens when you put 20-year-olds in a room with a lot of drugs and guitars. Mainly um, weed. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm mainly amphetamines. Really? So well, that, the big fetheads. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, very Moorish. Yeah, yeah, that's what they were into. Um... But you know they, they kind of generally cleaned up their act, mm. and um, they cleaned themselves up from uh, from the drugs, and they released uh, "American Idiot," which a lot of people took to being a political statement, to the point where the uh, apparently the FBI had a file on them. 
Wow. Bear in um, mind, though, because... the FBI had a file on Kiss. Well, true. And quite <laughs> rightly so. Exactly. They're dangerous men. Knights in they'll... Satan's service, mate. Exactly. <laughs> they'll sell you, they'll kill you and sell you the coffin. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Kiss branded one. Um, yeah, the um, American Idiot was, it was, a, it was classic punk. It was very much inspired by the by 70s music. So there was a lot of the kind of uh, the clash influence. There was a lot of, there was some of that Sex Pistols angst and rawness in it. Um, there was still elements of folkiness in it, but they they experimented and they became the creative musicians that they were always destined to be. Mm. They had seven and a half minute long punk songs. Jesus, Jesus of, suburbia. of suburbia, yeah, that's like yeah, that's, it's mm. it's it's a punk song in five movements. It's the punk bohemian <laughs> rhapsody, isn't it? It's, yeah, and it's incredible. And the whole album is not the political statement that everyone thought it was. Oh. Although the band didn't help that, like with having like "Wake Me Up When September Ends," having a, a an Iraqi war video that mm. was just and you know, they had the old um, straight edge uh, black crosses and stuff like they had a lot yeah. of like like down with they, Wall Street type looking things and yeah they yeah, didn't help it, themselves did they? No, they didn't. But the album wasn't about that. The album was a concept album as well. So not only do you have seven minute long epic songs. The whole album's a story. It's a rock opera, and it's it has since Saint become Jimmy, a rock opera. It? About Saint Jimmy, it's about it's a, about a troubled young man yeah. who goes on a bit of a journey, shall we say, <laughs> <laughs> through his, through life, love, drugs, sex, rock and rolls, more drugs, more sex, lot more drugs. God, I've never related back. so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, you were prime target audience for this in two thousand four. Ruined me. <laughs> um. But it's it, it's one of those few albums I can listen to back to front and never get bored of. It's universally a wonderful album, and they re- they also as I mean they, they released the title track of it, which is a two and a half minute punk romp. It's four chords. It's loud. It's nasty. It's heavy. Um, I remember when the it was Zane Lowe in on Radio One who got the the, the worldwide premiere of the single. I was driving home from work at the time. I worked at a shitty call centre at that time. I was driving home, I was listening to Radio 1, um, and he played it. And like the song ends, and there's like 30 seconds, like, well, it was 30 seconds, maybe five seconds of silence. He goes, yeah, screw the playlist. I'm playing that again. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I remember that. And he got in massive trouble from the BBC because he just fucked off someone else on the playlist. But he went, yeah, he just played it straight away again. And I... It was incredible, and it, it it had the high production values, but it had the rawness. Um, it had the those melodies that just get stuck in your head. Like even in the back of my head now, now I can I can hear the melody. It is of the actually that song. A, fundamentally a pop song, and it's 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 beautifully written and beautifully produced, and everything about it just works. Yeah, I mean, I mean, structure structurally, it's exactly the same as all the small things. By yeah. oh <laughs> by yeah, oh God, too, yeah, but it's just got a bit of attitude to it. I think that whole album was kind of more of a pop album, but it's not necessarily. I mean, it it sounds derogatory, doesn't it? Calling it oh, it's just a pop song, but actually, you can have good pop songs. Well, I can love it pop doesn't music, mean it's eh? a, yeah, it doesn't yeah, mean it's right. a bad thing. Um, but I think there are a lot of people at the time, like the Koran crowd, who were like, oh, they've sold out, blah blah blah. But actually, no, they it were was the Metal Hammer crowd. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Kerrang audience were right up this album's I loved backside. It. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, it is fundamentally a pop record. It is. Um, it's well, stru- I think it, Green stru- Day stru- knew stru- that. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, like, Green Day very rarely released um, singles which were downbeat. Yes. Everything was always upbeat. Like, the only one I can think of that was ever downbeat was Time of Your Life. And even then, that's just a more of a beautiful song rather than anything. Mm-hmm. 
They did their well, REM the s- moment, didn't they, with that song? Yeah. The single they followed up the title track with was Boulevard of Broken Dreams. Mm, yeah. Which is which is an incredible song. And I love that song so much. I I bought the effects unit that made the uh, whoop, 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 sound at the beginning of it. It's like a loop. It's flanger, isn't it? It's weird. No, it's um, it's it's um, it's a tre- it's a tremolo effect. It was on a piece of kit called. It was on a piece of kit M Audio released called the Black Box, mm. and it was just like a multi effects unit for guitar. I think and I they, think they, we should play it for the audience. Yeah, we'll play we'll play we'll play that sound effect and a little bit of the song because it's fucking. Weird. I remember hearing that song, and when it gets to the the um, the pre-chorus bit where the guitar is da 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 da, yeah. da, da that, I the first time I ever heard that, I remember like it was like chills down my arm. I was like, "How are Green Day doing this?" What mainly blew my mind about that album was his voice. It yeah, clearly so been, good. He'd clearly been trained. He's clearly been training his his own voice. It was he's not not slurring his words as much. He was. His pronunciation was better, and it, it just it clearly had been training his vocals, and it, it just sounded better, and it always has done since. Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't been as big a fan of Green Day's more recent output because no. they, they've lent a bit too far down that folk punk line yeah. for me. But um, I think American Idiot was like the turning point in their career where they stopped being this kind of punk band just knocking out three chord songs. Or a rock quickly. band. To a, it made them a stadium band, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it was like it was like the tour that I mean, the tour they did for American Idiot was two and a half years long. It was like a Metallica tour. I saw him at Milton <laughs> Keynes, and I was about two miles away. <laughs> Lot I mean, of bodies. I mean, Lot of yeah. bodies there. I mean, I Green Day were my first ever gig, and I saw them when they did the International Super Hits tour, which wow. was two thousand and one, I think. Yeah. So it was before this. It was just after they'd released Warning, uh, and their best of. Um, and this, and then I saw them on the American Idiot tour in Newcastle shortly after the album released, and it's like it was night and day. The difference, like, yeah, yeah. The qu- the quality of the live performance, the quality of the songs. They, they also were stopped pretending they were a trio for a while, because yeah. <laughs> they are not well, a trio. Yeah. <laughs> they are not a trio. <laughs> well, they're not a trio now. I mean, American Idiot, they were still officially a trio. They just had a touring guitarist. Now that guitarist is part exactly. of the band. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's a really good album, and even if you're not kind of into punk music or rock music, I still say it's worth a listen. It's got some absolutely banging tunes. From I mean, you've got ballads like uh, "Wake Me Up When September Ends." You've got obviously um, uh, Saint uh, Saint Jimmy, which is the other. Are huge, we waiting? Isn't it? It's... Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's the other huge seven minute long song. Yeah. Um, Holiday is just an absolute stomp and romp. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just it's wall to wall bangers on that album. It's so worth your time to hear. Excellent, great pick, mate. Great pick. We're gonna move on from music now because I've got a sneaking suspicion my good friend Stig has got something to discuss on the uh, sports side of things. I'm gonna tell a story. Oh my god, strap in. I'll get me pillow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the date: 25th of May, 2005. Mm. The venue: 
the Ataturk Olympic Stadium, Istanbul. <sighs> the occasion, the 2004-05 Champions League final. Oh. A match contested between Carlo Ancelotti's AC Milan and Rafa Benitez's Liverpool. This Milan side, probably one, of, probably one of the greatest assembled sides of all time, featuring the likes of Cafu, Gennaro Gattuso, Paolo Maldini, Andrea Perlo, Kaká, Clarence Seedorf, Andrea Shevchenko and Hernan Crespo. Played the Liverpool team under a new manager with one world-class player in its team, Steven Gerrard, <laughs> and a team of very good to average players. AC Milan were the previous year's champions of Italy and finished second that year, whereas Liverpool finished fifth on goal difference, 37 points behind the winners. Liverpool hadn't been to a Champions League final for 20 years, whereas Milan, they'd won it two years prior. On paper, this wasn't a contest. Milan's team far outshone Liverpool's and they deserved to be in the final. But so did Liverpool through sheer will and determination and what is known as a ghost goal. Liverpool found themselves in the Champions League final once again. But in the process, they knocked out Italy and Eng- the Italian and the English champions. So they did pretty well. Um, but things didn't go pl- to plan for Liverpool. <laughs> After only one minute, Paolo Maldini put Milan ahead, rocking Liverpool and just causing them to struggle to get into the game. And on the 39th minute, Hernan Crespo scored the second, only to follow up on that five minutes later to make it 3-0. 3-0 up. (laughs) Liverpool went in to halftime 3-0 down in their first European final in 20 years. Um, As a fan, at that point, I thought that was it. Done for. I was absolutely devastated that... (sighs) We'd got to this final under what was a pretty average season. As I said, we finished fifth. We hadn't done very well in the league. We hadn't done very well in the other cups. But somehow we'd persevered in the Champions League. Um, we just got out the group stages with an mm. absolutely belting third goal by Steven Gerrard. And as I said, we managed to beat Ju- Juventus and Chelsea on the way to the final. Um, so it was just. Heartbreaking to be down three nil at halftime. It's, it's it's ridiculous, and to just think, what the fuck is this score going to be by the end of this game? Are we going to lose like <laughs> five seven? Nil. Are we going to just going to be absolutely embarrassed and lose five six seven nil? Yeah. They're going to just come out and absolutely destroy us. But spurred on by a chorus of "You'll never walk alone." And from reports after that came out after a rousing halftime speech by Gerard and some um, Space Jam magic water. Yep. Um, <laughs> by all, by what I've heard and read, uh, Rafa Benitez didn't say a single thing at halftime, and Stephen Gerard yeah. did it all. I heard that as well. Talk. So Liverpool went out on the fifty-fourth minute. Gerard latched onto a cross by John Anarisa and mm. headed Liverpool's first goal in. Jeering the team on, waving his arms in the air. Come on, let's go. Let's get going. We've still got a chance here. It's only the 54th minute. 54th minute. We've, we've got a chance here. Yeah. Two minutes later, Liverpool score another one. Was that a Vladimir, penalty, that one? No. Vladimir oh, Schmitzer <laughs> scores from about 30 yards out. Oh, yes. Smashes the ball through through the defence, past the keeper into bottom left-hand corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, I'm like I'm at home going, 
absolutely fucking crazy just like throwing cushions around like me and my brother and my dad just going mental <laughs> I don't know what to do all I can do is just throw cushions around because I just don't know how to handle myself don't break anything but be excited yeah I was throwing it on the floor like just <laughs> jumping up and down and then a mere four minutes later mm. Gerard is through on goal and he's pulled back by Gattuso and yeah. Liverpool get a penalty yeah that's it upsteps Javi Alonso yeah and he misses. I know. <laughs> Just a butt. He bags the rebound and he levels Boom. the game. And it and we have come from 3-0 down at halftime and in six glorious minutes, the six most glorious minutes I've ever witnessed in my life. And I know a thing about six minutes. Oh no, things last in six minutes. Whoa! Um, <laughs> <laughs> Comebacks. Not, in fact, I'm not even met yeah. that joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Chris Pratt made that joke much better. Yeah, I'm just having a joke at my own expense there. I'm obviously much better. (laughs) Yeah, seven minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But six minutes and we're back in it, 3-3, and it's just unreal. Honestly, at this point, I really don't know what to do with myself. It was just... It's crazy, isn't it? Absolutely incredible. Not heard from, of. from a game, yeah, it isn't. It's a final of the Champions League. Mm. We are 3-0 down to one of the greatest teams. Ever. That team is a team of world-class players. And I said we had like one. Uh, Xavi Alonso at the time was on the up, but he wasn't the player he, he became. Yeah. And the game peters out to a stalemate. It ends up 3-3. We go to extra time. There is a moment in extra time, the 117th minute, where Dudek, pulls off the greatest save he'll yeah. ever do in his career. <laughs> Absolutely heart-stopping. Shevchenko gets the ball and he's he's literally point-blank on goal. All he has to do is put this to the left or the right of the keeper and it's a goal. And yeah. he shoots and he hits it and Dudek saves it. And then it rebounds back to Shevchenko and he smacks it again and Dudek makes another save. He <sighs> saves two shots in like quick succession. And and the moment he does that, the camera pans in on him and he does this little nod to himself where he just goes, fucking right, I just did that. <laughs> like, there's a recognition on his face where he's like, I've just done that. Yeah, self-worth, like, million yeah. percent. Uh, and then the game, again, it ends up, we go to penalties. And penalty shootouts are horrendous. When your team is... I mean, it's bad enough watching a penalty shootout there should be when banned not, in football. When I you're think. not even invested in it, it's still quite nerve-wracking, like yeah. watching penalties. You kind of get excited about it, but when it's this big and it's a penalty shootout, it is just, and it's your team, the nerves in you, you just want to sit there, like you can't, you just want to cry. Like it's just it's such so nerve-wracking. Yeah, for and those not in the know, the Champions League is the pinnacle of club tournaments. Club it's, football in, in yeah, Europe. It's yeah. fucking... It's yeah, and and like I said, Liverpool had dominated the seventies and eighties. Yeah, and yeah. Foot in the European uh, scene, I think we'd we'd won four, we'd been to six finals. Yeah, and this was the first time in twenty years, and <laughs> their first player steps up, Serginho, yeah. and he misses. Yep, and then we step up and we score. And then they miss. And at this point, Dudek's doing some crazy jelly legs. He's literally waving his arms around. He looks like one of those um, wacky inflatable tube men. Wacky waving arm inflatable tube <laughs> yeah. men. He's on the line. He's doing his dance. He's trying to put them off whatever he can do. And he does that. In they miss two. We score two. Risa steps up. Risa, a man who is usually known for his goals that he blasts the ball. Back of the net. And he tries to place it. A really weak, timid penalty. And he misses. They score the next two. 
we score one more and it comes down to Shevchenko, their, their talisman player forward to take the fifth penalty. And he steps up, Dudek does his little shuffle, shuffles on the line, jumps and he saves it. And Liverpool come back from 3-0 down at halftime against a Milan team to win the Champions League final. And it is one of the greatest days of my in my life as a Liverpool football fan. I screamed the house down. I've watched numerous documentaries of it. I, it makes me cry every time I watch it. I just... Mate, it were huge not being a <laughs> Liverpool fan. I absolutely love it. I think it is the greatest comeback in a football game, especially a final. You'll in a single get. game, I think it is. I don't think it will be beat. No, Man United fans can bang on about Ugh. coming back against Munich. We'll talk about that. They, 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 uh, all my Man United friends say, oh, we had only you know the last couple of minutes of the game to score two goals to win it. You didn't. No. You had from the sixth minute yeah. to score two goals. It just so <laughs> happens that you scored them right at the at end the of end. the game. Yeah, we had 45 minutes to get three goals, mm. like just to draw the game. Not so, And then yeah. winning pens. It will never be beaten. It, and it is the greatest comeback of all time in football. And it just happened to be for the team that I support. And it's we talk about it all the time. And I don't care if people see you. All you do is bang on about it. I don't give a <laughs> shit. It's worth talking about because it is an incredible comeback and a great achievement in sport. And I just fucking love it. So. It is a good comeback, mate, especially after like 20 years, man. Yeah. You know what I mean, as well? Not just counting those 90 minutes. It's just fucking... Yeah, exactly. I'm not a Liverpool fan at all, but you, every, every sports fan needs to respect that mo- that, that moment. If you, were, if you were madly into basketball, not football, you'd still see it. You'd still, you'd, you'd still know, know what when a clock's ticking down or up. You know what it means in a final. Yeah. Honestly, that... Um, if you- <laughs> If you put those two teams together on paper and just said to someone who wins this this yeah. match without any knowledge, yeah, it's AC Milan every time. Yeah, that team is incredible. The manager is incredible, but just for whatever it is, whether you call it fear or luck or whatever, that day was just magic. What I call it belonged to Liverpool, and I'm so glad it did. So. Excellent, excellent. So you can wake up now, gadget. Yay. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I was, I was, I was just singing carnival theme tunes in my head. I don't, look to be to, to stick up for stick, right? I, I don't think you have to be into into sport or football at all to like appreciate that like athleticism yeah. and just. No, I, 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 I get it. I mean, the, the closest thing I've ever had to that was um, uh, in the I think it was, I can't remember, it was early two thousands or late nineties, but where uh, when Newcastle went to Barcelona <laughs> in the Champions League. And came back from two 0 down to win three two because Faustino Espria decided to yeah. wake up. Yeah, it's <laughs> so good. A comeback in sport is one of the most incredible things. And I'll mention another one in my a couple more actually in my. Um, oh, get ready in the in the Patreon section. I'm not going to bang on about much. I'll just kind of mention them. But just but just that one. Just if it had been a random game. Like you come back to three three five, but it was the Champions League final, the pinnacle of club football in yeah. Europe. Yeah, and just it it was so amazing. And like I said, I love going back and watching the highlights. It gives me goosebumps to just watch the highlights. No, even knowing the result, it's huge. doesn't matter. It's huge. Yeah. So I wish Biggie was here just so he could uh, cry with you. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I don't know where he is, Biggie. Shout out Biggie. No, no, he's, no. He's, no. <laughs> Still on toilet, I think. Um, Candy, what are you bring in? She's gonna go. Formula One. 
(laughs) (laughs) My favourite. How did you know? No, I'm going to talk about God of War, the reboot slash remake. Um, So before I start, I'm just going to put a quick spoiler warning, not for the latest God of War, but for the the sort of older games. Um, So Gadget, if you could put the klaxon in, please. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll break out of storage. It hasn't been used for a while. Oh, the horns of God. (laughs) (laughs) So the... That was a good one. I like that. That's the new one. If you want to avoid spoilers for the entire God of War series, skip ahead to one hour, 24 minutes. Thank you. So the original God of War was released in 2005 for the PS2, and it was the game that introduced us to Kratos and sort of set the foundation for what the franchise would become. Uh, The game takes place in a sort of fantasized version of ancient Greece, um, a theme which would sort of continue throughout its multiple sequels. Gameplay-wise, it introduced the mechanics that would be seen in sort of the next instalment. So you got blood, gore, puzzles. You got the blades of chaos, and a sort of distinctive quick time shagging events. Perspective time shagging events, yeah, <laughs> which have been taken out. Um, it was sort Not of out perfect- of ten wouldn't play again. <laughs> <laughs> It was a perfect mix of striking imagery and a bit of dark humour, and it it arrived during a a real rich period of video gaming narratives, um, with developers starting to tackle more mature, ambitious stories, and it was probably one of the best-looking games of the PS2 era. Um, Kratos quickly became a recognisable, more mature mascot for PlayStation. Now, um, in the original game, Kratos was not bloodthirsty psychopath um he was unforgivably awful um but he was more of a tortured soul sort of bent on revenge after being tricked slave for a while wasn't he yeah so he was sort of tricked into killing his family basically um oh, as i said he, gods bloody hell so he was a terrible person but it was easy to sympathize with his it quest wasn't for his fault. absolution mm. um so the original game, the, the sequel started, after the original game, the sequel started to become almost a bit of a victim of its own success. Mm. So God of Two released, God of War 2, sorry, released in 2007. It did to critical acclaim. Way better than um, first. And again, it was visually stunning, but it started to sow the seed, I thought, of, um, it kind of almost hit the same beats in terms of the story. Um, it didn't move it forward in any particular oh, meaningful not, no. way. Um, it also became harder, I think, to feel any sympathy for Kratos. Instead of he, he just kind of became an unrelenting killing machine. Um, and he got he, he was almost enjoying it by the end of two, wasn't he? There was exactly. So rather than being no, no, if revenge, you remember the end of two, he wasn't enjoying what happened to himself. Trust me. <laughs> no, 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 enjoying the violence. I mean. All right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he just he just became a bit of a, a killing machine, and, and in God of War three, it's almost as if develop, the developers tried to mask that fact. You mean that God um, of War three, aka climbing a mountain simulator? Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so they just they they turned up the gore, I think, to yeah. disguise the fact that it was just another. It was it was just a rehash. And three annoyed um, me so much. You got so far up Mount Olympus, and then it knocked you straight back down again. It back sort of into became Hades, a bit of a running. Yeah, it became up. a running joke. Yeah. Down you go. <laughs> um, did, I did really enjoy the pu- uh, the puzzle box, though. That was I did. An incredible yeah, level. yeah, I did. I like that. I don't even remember that bit. It's been a while. It's effectively it's the labyrinth. Yeah, the labyrinth with a right. minotaur. Where, where it's a, just a giant yeah. 
3D puzzle box. Yeah. Fucking great. Like one of the best design levels in action gaming. Which they copied on Resident Evil 4. Or did Res- no, Resident Evil 4 came out first. That had that. Yeah, Resident Evil 4 was out first. Which is yeah. the same, more or less, but as Resident Evil does, it just put a big boss in there instead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. Just shove it in there. Yeah. Um, so it, it just didn't really evolve as much as other franchises at the time. And it, it, again, it was a time where things were really starting to be pushed and it just became a little bit stale. And in terms of the story, it's sort of written itself into a bit of a corner. The Greek setting was getting a bit tired. All the Olympian go- gods were already dead. And- yeah, there wasn't, <laughs> really? wasn't any more Olympian myths. All the use. Titans, yeah. all the gods. <laughs> Everyone So there was just... There was just nowhere else to go. Um, and then God of War Ascension, it released to sort of lukewarm Prequel reviews. though, wasn't it? Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's that's the only way they could have gone. They yeah. had to go the prequel route because every, yeah. everyone was dead. Um, so the numbers kind of, it, it released, it sold barely more than a quarter of a million copies. I think it was about 300,000 copies at launch. Plus there was um, two other PSP games as well in between all that. So it just... And they, I think they really re-released the first one as well for PS3. Yeah, yeah. Didn't, d- d- didn't Ascension kind of fail mostly because it came out just after the PS4 came out, and it was a PS3 exclusive? It was buggy as well, mate. Actually, Ascension. Um, yeah, like like it was it was it was rushed out. It was delayed, yeah. and it came it came out after the PS4 came out. So everyone had already traded in the PS3s, and like I'm. Well, it was one of the first games I'd ever ever been experienced to uh, save glitches. Now we lose so much progress. Oh, that's a yeah. killer. Yeah. Until you reached um, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. No! <laughs> we don't talk about that. No. <laughs> so in 2018, the series got a sequel slash reboot. I think we could probably call it more or less a reboot, can't we? Um, so it switched from its Greek theme to one of Norse mythology in a move that was drastic, but it kind of, it really needed to give the series a fresh look and perspective. And I think that really is what made it work. Norse, Norse mythology at the time it came out, which is a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. really, really, really popular. Um, it's the new zombies, isn't it? It's the new zombies. Vikings <laughs> is out. Thor was out. So absolutely bang on the mark with that one. Visuals, absolutely stunning. The, the gameplay is see- seamless. There's no loading screens. Um, you can choose to play it without the UI and it, it basically plays like a movie from scene to scene. No cutaways. Every different environment it's unique it's so detailed it creates just unbeatable immersion um and i think choosing christopher it's christopher judge isn't it christopher yes, judge yeah, plays yeah. Kratos. boy that is so brilliant it's biggie when you need amazing, him yeah we need him right price. now his voice absolutely incredible it's just iconic um so Kratos, he's matured into a sort of world weary father he grew a beard <laughs> he grew a beard he grew more of a mm, Bit more frowny as well, a few more frown lines. Yeah, yeah. Better costume. Yeah. Um, so he's matured into a world weary father and he's got the sole responsibility of looking after his son, Atreus. Atreus, sorry. Atreus. And it's just kind of been sort of thrust upon him. Um, the reboot story, it's just, it's so remarkably deep and personal. And the relationship between Kratos and Atreus, it just deepens throughout the game. Um, you see both the story, both the characters take on a personal story arc as they learn to work with one another and, and bond as a kind of family unit. Um, now, obviously, I can't relate to being a dad with a son, or I can't even relate to being a parent, but I can relate to having a dad and sometimes finding it difficult to sort of find that common grounds to relate to them and make a meaningful meaningful connection. And I feel God of War perfectly encapsulates that kind of relationship. Um, Kratos struggling to 
relate to Atreus and Atreus going as through a every... Viking and a father of a boy. <laughs> I, I am qualified to discuss this. Um, I, I genuinely think it's probably uh, one of its top five PS4 games. I think um, it really um, it did so, it did something for the genre as well. Uh, people say, "Oh, it's PlayStation. All they do is third-person story action thing." But and they're that good, you don't care. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Thank you. When they're that good, you don't care. And that one hit so fucking hard. The, the oh my god! And this is not even spoiler. The, the beginning scene where Kratos is fighting the the at that moment stranger. Fucking hell! That I mean, that that, that opening that boss fight. Mind. That's incredible. Twenty-five minute boss fight. Yeah, <laughs> it's inc- it's so brave of Kari Balog to just be like, you know what, this is going to be quite tough. <laughs> straight in, in you go. It's straight in, and then and then the oh, the, the the fucking bravado on Balog to be like, yeah, um, you you are going to be escorting uh, a character. By the way, he's your turret. <laughs> He's going to help you massively. I, I think what Santa Monica Studios managed to do, and this is an even better casting choice than um, than having Christopher Judge as Kratos, is um, is is the lad that they got to play Atreus. He is so good, and they and they managed to make it so that the child is not annoying. Mm. Because you have so many action games where you have like a younger sidekick or whatever, or you know, in, in some capacity, and they get on your nerves. But yeah. The, Atreus, the, 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 I have no, I can't remember what the kid's called. But the, Sonny um, Sudjik. Uh, that's it. The actor plays him so well, and he's so brilliantly written, and there's so much yeah. pathos between him, because there is, there is, there is all this thing between, like, Kratos is wanting to tell, teach Atreus a lesson, like, you know, how to survive, how to not be a slave to your emotions and stuff like that. And then you've got Atreus is just desperate for his dad's approval and desperate to be like his dad. Yeah. But have you me- have you seen the making of it where they make yeah, um, yeah. Sonny and and uh, Judge go on like a camping trip yeah. for like a few a few weekends like to proper bond and throw axes at stuff. It's, yeah, nice. it's, it's so clever what they do. One of the good thing, great things about it as well is like what gadget loot is when you have games with younger characters in. A lot of the time it's just escort missions and they get in yeah. the way and they piss you off. Uh, but this they made it essential. Yeah, yeah Trace has got teleportation like, it, it powers as well. Like, he can it, appear whenever he wants. It wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm going to have to like keep... It wasn't one of those ones where oh, he's constantly going to get attacked and I'm constantly going to have to save him. It's yeah. like, no, he's actually helping to help you out. He can level him up. You can like use... He's your little mage, yeah, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Powers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, You know, he's he's got... He can help with ranged attacks and things like that. Yeah. yeah like, they did that so well. So well. I think it's genius. I think it's, it's a pure 10 out of 10 game and I'll argue with anyone on that. I find it really difficult to find anything wrong with it. But but going Same. back to what you said about him not being annoying, I mean, there's an annoying phase that he goes through, but it's all part it's of deliberate. the story act. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I mean. And it's Which my son is currently going through at the moment. <laughs> it's it, like it, he becomes it a teenager and then hours. a man throughout the game, doesn't it? So it yes. He goes through, from a child to a teenager to acceptance. Make sure yeah. you take your son's bow and arrow off, and then if he's getting that annoying phase, he might go off. I gave him a crossbow because I was I was sicking him there, <laughs> <laughs> just in case. He knows about the cow guns, oh, you know, so he's oh, getting right. ready. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just it's one of the greatest re- review games on the market, and it's one of the games that defines the PS4 generation. I think. 
the um the 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 twist kind of about two thirds of the way through when you go back to the camp. Oh. Are, are, are we going to break the one? We're still under spoiler klaxon here, so I think we can uh, do it again. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's your Good. second one. Double super secret spoiler here for this one. Yeah, but when you go back to the cabin and you got the blades of fury. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. uh, me, me. No, but it's not even that. It's when you're on the boat and Athena's talking to you. Oh yeah, true. Yeah. Oh, but it was it was it was just I mean it was just that moment of like. That realization, like me, like I, I bounced off the game when it first came out. I just wasn't in the headspace for it, and I got it again no. like, shortly after me and Pip started dating. And we were, she was watching us play through, watching me play through it. And when we got to that moment, going back into the cabin, and I'm just like at the top of my voice, and she's like, <laughs> she's like "What? He's just got another weapon." It's like, "No, this isn't, no. <laughs> this isn't the first game." It's when, it's when he, it's when he gets, he takes some bindings off his arms yeah. where the where the the brands are, mm. and he's like, "I am unleashing the monster that I've been hiding for the past fifty years or whatever he's been hiding from." No, it's several, several thousand years. Sorry, yeah, well, he's gone. He's come know. from ancient Greece to. Reasonably medieval. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, it's a few thousand, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. but it's 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 like it's like the game has leading up to that point has all these hints that it is a sequel to God of War three, but nothing canonically, that, nothing confirming it until you get that moment where he gets yeah. Blades of Fury out, and it's, it's the same like, actress that did Athena oh, yes. in the other other games. Oh my god, it's so good. It's just a, it's just so many so many little features in it, and just the the way it mixes in the Norse mythology as well, but. Um, your, your little talking head—I can never remember his name—that sits sits on, on oh, your. Oh, he's so good! I Mimir. forgot about him. Yeah, yeah, Mamiya. So g- giving you all the exposition. Man alive. Yeah, g- just giving you the exposition during the, the loading screens, quote unquote. Yes, because the there is loading screens. screens in it. But it's like when, yes, when you when you're wandering around the uh, teleportation areas and stuff like that, and he's just giving Rainbow which, Bridge and that. Yeah, yeah. giving Atreus a bit of a, a bit of exposition, a bit of Norse mythology, and never finishes his story when he's on the boat. Yeah, I I, I always <laughs> let him finish. I always let him finish. I stayed on that boat until he were done. <laughs> or, or Kratos attempting to tell jokes. Like, these, oh, God, these, yeah. these moments where he, he, he get, it's no longer God of War, it's Dad of Boy. And, he, and he's, he's, he's trying. Yeah. And it's so sweet because you, you usually get these sequences like just after you've had a really kind of harrowing set of combat, usually yeah. with a big boss fight, like the fucking dragon boss on the mountain. My God. Oh, that was horrible. Um, but when you get these moments of like quiet solitude with Atreus, and he's and he's like, "Dad, tell us a joke," and he just comes out with something that, dreadful. He, he, he tells, and, I'll, I'll not spoil it. But he tells a joke on the last boat trip they have in the game when you just go into the end and stuff like that. And Atreus goes, <laughs> "He does that." He's like, "Oh, he's done it." He's yeah. made him chuckle, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, man, yes, you've done it." <laughs> and it, 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 it is the ending is also um, one of one of the five games to make me cry. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. Because oh. it just it it hits differently that ending. It does. <laughs> it does. It's, it does. it's like the culmination of a journey. Mm. Just mm. beautiful. <clears throat> I think you have to play it if you've ever if you own a PS4. You have to. You don't. You, you don't need to have played the older games either. It doesn't. Oh, I, it tells you everything. I didn't. I've never played a single yeah. God of War until this yeah. reboot. Once you what, after you get to the Blades of Fury bit, it does yeah. a pretty good job of explaining. The last three. Yeah, Mamiya talks about he, he talks about deep cut PSP games where he says you had a brother, didn't you? <laughs> it's like yeah, he did actually, and he killed him as well. <laughs> but yeah, it's it, Mamiya gives you all the context you need in the whole game. If you listen to him, he talks about every single God of War game leading up to that, which is brilliant. Yeah, so oh, fucking clever. What a great so game. So good, such good voice acting. I love the um, I can't remember her name, but the the, the witch, the the wood witch. Freya. Freya. Freya, that's it, yeah. Like, just all of it is so good. 
Yeah, man. It is so good. Good, massive. That is that is the a pinnacle of like, like comeback. That is that. No one. Would you, can you remember the <laughs> the announcement trailer at E3 and everyone was screaming? So many oh, good that's... trailer reacts as well. Yeah, because they actually brilliant. played that. They they were playing. The orchestra was playing live, and they were playing yeah. onto it. It was live action gameplay, so yeah. that was pretty incredible. Absolutely, it's, it's just fucking mind blowing. So, so you do know how to do a good announcement at E three when they turn up, don't they? Yeah, when they turn up, and they'll never turn up again. But excellent, good choice. Now it's big. Oh, big is still not here. Okay, looks like I'll have to uh, round this off then. Um, can I talk to you about? Sir David Bowie. You may. Please. Was he a sir? Nope, but I am crowning him a sir. Okay. I don't want game a knighthood. He's got a criminal record and everything. <laughs> I don't think he'd have accepted it, would he? Probably not. So, Bowie is the comeback king when it comes to music, in my opinion. It, um, when he got bored, he bounced back and completely reinvigorated his style, pseudonyms and musical styles. But, what I want to talk about is the 10-year gap of Bowie. So, um, like from 1966 or 67, Bowie's self-titled album first came out. He'd been in other bands that didn't kick off and stuff like that. And from that moment on, he's released an album. He released an album at least every year, sometimes twice in a year. So consistently just create. Not all of them hits, as we all know. Some of them absolute stinkers as well. Oh, he released some dross over the oh, years. Oh, God. Oh, he really did. Uh, but constantly just trying to change his, his style, his image, everything about him. You, you all know Bowie. I don't have to constantly explain who Bowie is. But, yeah. And then in um, 2003, he released Reality. Not a terrible album. Uh, not, not a good album either. Not a good album either. But And then... That was it for 10 years. He appeared on a few films in, as a, as a one-minute extra. Or, you know what I mean? He, he turned up. He always had a little cameo, didn't he, in certain things and stuff. It's Bowie, look. Ooh, that kind of thing. And then in 2013, he released The Next Day. A good album, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not my favourite Bowie album. Um, and like I say... The fact that, that I'm not going to I'm not going to drown on too much because I think we've been talking a lot, but the the, the fact that like he, he consistently released an album every year for fucking someone do the math thirty odd years or whatever, <laughs> and then just stopped ten years off, come back with that, and not many people knew that he wasn't in the best of health, was he at that point? No, no, no. So, so when he released the next day. Um... He himself was fine. It was after that that he got diagnosed with cancer. Is that was is that when it was? Yeah, yeah. So then so- he, obviously, the incredible album Black Star was released in 2016, moments before his death. The reason for the gap from 2003 to 2013 was because of poor health, because he had a heart attack on stage yes. in 2004. Oh, that's right. Yes, um, and he kind of quit the music scene. And like it was like after that, like when he had the heart attack, he never played live again. Never yeah, stood on yeah. a stage. Yeah, which is a shame because like. We did, like I said, we did see him in certain things, didn't we? We saw him in extras, and remember they seen in extras. I remember it, yeah. Yeah, chubby little loser. That <laughs> was. Uh, oh, he played Tesla in. Um... Yeah, Nick, Nikola Tesla. Yeah, yeah. He was in Zoolander as well, briefly. Oh, yeah, he is. He does, he does the walk off, does? <laughs> yeah. Or whatever it is, the. Uh, the pose when he comes off, out as yeah. the judge <laughs> with Billy Zane. 
<laughs> Love Zoolander. Didn't like the le- the second. Oh, one. The second one's terrible. But Is yeah, the second um, one. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Off. Don't watch it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, for me, it was like I, I just like I know Gadget's a massive fan of Black Star as well as I am. It, um, it, it, that's a that's a top twenty album for me. That's yeah. an album that makes me cry listening to it because you know what it means. Mm. But like the next day, it's got some good tunes on it. Um, they're not as memorable as fucking Let's Dance and stuff like. Do you know what I mean? Like his his top five. Albums are Let's Dance 10.7 million, uh, Ziggy Stardust 7.5 million, Aladdin Sane 4.6 million, Black Star 1.9 million, which is a fucking travesty, mm. and uh, Five Heaven uh, 1.5 million. So, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, for my, for my money, that comeback is a bit, it was a bit like obviously ill health, but it was a bit too late. It's it's, a sh- it's it's just a shame. It like fucking crushed me when he died. Not as much as Prince, <laughs> but Prince never fucking lost it ever. But yeah, it just really it pained me. But I think it's what we call a great comeback. If you, I, please insert uh, which song? Let me find it. <laughs> One second. I was just looking here. Like he cut this out. How did he, he release seventeen albums? In his first twenty-seven in, total. in his first twenty years, though, like between sixty-seven yeah. and eighty-seven. 17 albums that is that is insane oh yeah and then, and then like you said there's gaps um it then jumps like 93 95 97 so there's a few in the 90s and yeah, yeah there's just gaps uh in between and then obviously a 10 year gap and then that last three year gap but yeah there's there is gaps over there but yeah i just uh that's that's incredible if you if you insert where are we now yeah Walking the dead. Where are we now? Where are we now? Great, great tune. Weird tune, but really yeah. good. But I, I think as I think as well with them, um, kind of. Especially with Bowie's last two albums, but as mm. a lot of his later stuff. So talking like uh, like hours, heathen reality yeah, yeah. stuff like that. They all got a bit weird, and it became very much. I mean, Bowie's always Bowie always did whatever he wanted. You couldn't but, you couldn't put him in a genre, could you? No, but those those albums were him like pushing so far away from pop stuff mm. because you know everyone will always remember Let's Dance, and I know he hated that song by the end. He stopped did. playing it live, didn't he? Way before we were ill. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like it did the numbers for him, and it was it was one of the biggest things Nile Rogers ever wrote for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like Nile Rogers made bank from that more than he ever did from yeah. Chic. Yeah, uh, easy, easy. But, you know, he, he got to the point where he hated that because it is a pop song. And yeah. as it, I mean, like the lead single off Black Star was ten minutes long, and it was precise. In fact, it was nine minutes fifty nine because you couldn't have it as an iTunes single if it was over ten minutes. Yeah. I um, like Lazarus as well. Yeah, mm, but like, like is good. yeah, this like Black Star, which is the one I know more than the next day. You know, that was a jazz odyssey. He got he, he sacked off his original band, who he'd got back for the next day, and he got some bassoons in. <laughs> no, he 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 got a, a, a quite a famous New York jazz trio. Yeah, um, and and said, "Write me some music." Yeah, that was it. <laughs> the next day, the next day is really. Um, 
It's really like fucking far out though. It's it, you can tell you can tell where his headset was, you know, his mindset was. Um like yeah. you you think to Ziggy Stardust compared to his last ten years, it's a fucking do you know what I mean? It's a completely different man. And remember a few months ago when I'd watched that that Bowie biopic and stuff like that. Yeah, it's it, always fascinated me because the man clearly, he, he admittedly had mental health issues and stuff, and that's why he used to change his pseudonym all the time. Yeah, to try and manifest that. And I think as 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 a savant and as a, he is a genius, you cannot not call him a genius. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, he's. You literally is. You don't have to be into him, but to see, like like Stig says, every every year, twenty seven albums. Which some of them are live albums and compilations and stuff, but that's constant working. It's, it's, in, in total, there's twenty five like studio albums. Yeah, yeah, that he did, including Blackstar. Um, and like the next mad. year was supposed wasn't that supposed to be a sequel to his um uh, to the Berlin tapes and yeah, stuff like that, yeah, and to yeah. the uh, kind of stuff heroes came from. Yeah. Um, and it's yeah, like it's what, really what, what I've got. Yeah, I've got like fucking studio albums, technically twenty-seven. Live albums, twenty-one. Compilation albums, forty-six. <laughs> video albums, twenty-eight. Music videos, seventy-two. EPs, ten. Singles, one hundred and twenty-eight. Charting singles, maybe not top ten, but charting still. And um, and one ISP. Don't forget, you set up an ISP yeah. in the early days of the internet. Yes, it did. Uh, oh, soundtrack albums, four. He appeared on 68 other artists' albums and 12 box sets. And let's not forget the fact that he was a futurist at heart as well, and he absolutely loved the fact that people were downloading his music. Mm. Yep. He adored it. So, absolutely, that's often, man. And, and, he, and, and he guest starred oh, in a David Cage game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is it the Ascension of the Metatron. No, 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 uh, like uh, Omicron the Nomad Soul. Oh, yeah, I'm thinking of that other one, aren't I? I know it's a weird name. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking weird. I've never played it. I don't... <sighs> I wouldn't. No. He's in Labyrinth. Yay. <laughs> but, yeah, that's mine. So, what have our listeners sent in? Well, strangely enough, uh, Leroy Francisco's come straight in with David Bowie's return in 2013. Because he's a man of calibre and taste. Yeah. Uh, pointing out that... Um, uh, but we also stealth released "Where Are We Now?" because day, yeah, and, yeah, day, day yeah. and date with the um, with the announcement, it was on iTunes. Fucking uh, what a clever so man! Stealth releasing "Where Are We Now?" after a decade of the limelight. It's such a good song as well. So sad and beautiful. Probably the mm. best song he's done since "Let's Dance." Wow, that's a strong accusation. Yeah, maybe a strong accusation. <laughs> yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I, I, I'm trying to think if I've got an argument against it. I don't think I have. I mean, I, I I like it more than I like Let's Dance. Like, let's. I do, I do. <laughs> yeah, he's right. He's I right. think most Bowie fans would say the same because I think most Bowie fans don't like Let's Dance in the same way that Bowie didn't really like. No, it. No, 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 no. Everyone, if you're a Bowie fan, which most people should be, you're in a club, <laughs> and if Let's Dance comes on, you're like, okay, okay. Oh, you, you, you yeah, you will in a club, but you you won't Not stick you won't you won't stick it on at home, will you? No, no, no. Exactly. You'll stick on Humpy Dory or something. And go yeah, that. yeah. Exactly. Um, uh, you, your man Bobby Wayne has come in mm. saying um, and I can't believe we didn't think of this Doctor Who made a monumental comeback in the 2010s they had what a quick shit? run yeah, with Christopher did. Eccleston which was followed up by the hugely popular David Tennant who redefined the character in the show making it pop, uh, popular with new fans and the seasons alike it also led the introduction of Captain Jack Hartness from the Torchwood spin-off who was fabulous uh, I stopped watching the Doctor Who's like 
midway through Tenant. And it's not because I hated it or anything like that. My life just got a bit more hedonistic at that point. So Yeah, you, you couldn't be at home on a Sunday night watching Doctor Who, could you? No way. <laughs> I, um, I stopped watching after that first Eccleston episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, nope. Nope. Uh, I, I really liked Stick Eccleston. with Star Trek. There's, there's, there's some really quality Eccleston episodes. I, re- I, I like David Tennant, even though some of his stories were shite. Um, and I thought his ending, they milked it for two episodes longer than it needed to. Um, now they always used to make a big song and dance of the change, didn't they, with the Doctor? Not necessarily. Like the most of the times when the, when they did the regenerations, it was like, but like, is that what they call it the regeneration? Yeah, like Eccleston, <laughs> Eccleston's was really was really unexpected because it hadn't been announced that he was leaving. It just oh. happened. Um, but uh, David Tennant's one, it was like, like normally when it happens, it's like a five minute sequence of like he's injured, he says his goodbyes, ah. and he turns it to somebody else. Yeah, with fucking. Um, uh, with David Tennant, it was like a thirty-minute section of an episode. It went on forever. With oh, he's just like metamorphosizing. No, he's bouncing around, time talking to all the former uh, companions that he's had, or the people he's met on his adventures. Uh, it's just like how many series did he do then? Three. It's not like he's doing it for ten years. <laughs> do, you, do you know what really annoys me now is that because the BBC they want to ch- they want to chase the numbers and chase the ratings. They announce that someone's leaving, and they tell you who's coming in beforehand. Imagine, just, yeah, just imagine how much how much your mind would be blown just sat there watching the the, the final of the latest series. And, oh fuck, he's regenerated. Doctor Who now? He's regenerated, or it's she, uh, or Ju- she's regenerated. Yeah, she. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. but, but I just cool. I would just prefer. Uh, I, I don't watch the show, but if I was to watch it, I would prefer the surprise rather than. Oh, by the way, they're leaving, and this is the new Doctor. And then you sat there waiting, like for the old episode, going, "Come on, let's get to the new Doctor." Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They, I mean, I mean, they announced this week that um, Jodie Whittaker and Chris, uh, Jodie Whittaker, who's currently playing the Doctor, and Chris Chibnall, who is the showrunner, are leaving after yeah, like three. There there's three, three specials next year, and they're leaving after that, and it'll be someone new. Who's it gonna be? Jack Whitehall. <laughs> no, Jack Whitehall's already been just a guest star in it. Oh. Because of course he has. Um, mm. Yeah, the worst. I, I remember they made a huge song and dance when uh, Peter Capaldi was um, announced as the as the Doctor. I always because, forget that he was one because it was it was leading up to the fiftieth and um, mm. uh, the fiftieth anniversary of the show, and it was Matt Matt Smith at the time. And I remember there was this whole hoopla. They put a dedicated show onto BBC Two to to show who the announcement was. Mm. And the best part was was that with the internet reactions to it, there there was a very specific video of of, of a young lash who's like fifteen years old or something like, like who e- <laughs> e- eagerly waiting for it, and like Peter Capaldi's revealed it's like no he's ugly because <laughs> like, oh, because no. uh, the thing with new who quote unquote as as a lot of people have referred to as the first couple of, the first three doctors of it were actually quite attractive men and they got younger and more pretty as they went on so then you I got, think went Peter from, Capaldi's attractive well you went from Matt Smith to Peter Capaldi who's who was a man in his 50s with white hair I can't, at the time I can't, I can't put a picture to Matt Smith's face uh, that's gonna, that's the difference. like a foot yeah I'm gonna google him that's the difference between the older generation new one because older people oh, yeah. were just like all, all it was oh, was he's ugly. making Malcolm Tucker jokes like out of it so Oh yeah, I, mm. I would have loved um, Capaldi's doctor to just walk in Effin and Jeff and just straight Fuck away off. just give it, <laughs> just say fucky bye to the Daleks and shit. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> do, how do, 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 how do they make the Daleks cool nowadays? Like they can't go upstairs, can they? They can. They, they can fly. float upstairs now. 
They fly. Oh, <laughs> it's specifically mm. shown in Eccleston series where the run I up can't stair- remember, man. In Eccleston series, the, 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 run, the run up a set of stairs and go, ha ha, that's them beat, and then just start levitating up the stairs and go, oh no! And they run away. <laughs> yeah, but they have to shoot you dead on. So if you just keep you just keep running around them, they can't get you. You just Dark Souls them, just just barrel roll around the side of them. Oh, their ass, yeah. <laughs> just tip them over like a Tip bin. them over, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, do, yeah, Doctor Hugo. We, the, the first few seasons with um, with David Tennant were really good. Um, I liked a little bit of Matt Smith stuff. I didn't. I didn't like a lot of it. Sorry, Rob. I'm crushing your childhood here. It's childhood. It's childhood when they started coming out. <laughs> hey, well, I, yeah. I, I can't remember. You're yeah. Still a child to me, Rob. Oh yeah, Doctor Who. Um, last up, we have Kurt Lewin, best boy. This will be good. Um, he, he's starting off with uh, Oodles. You may want to close your ears for this one. Why? But Leeds got promoted the following season anyway. Oh, for fuck's sake, I know what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Derby, innit? I'm talking Bastard. the championship playoff semi-final leg, second leg at Elland Road in 2019. Derby lost the first leg 1-0 at home and were frankly outclassed. No Derby fan was optimistic for the second leg and when Leeds went 1-0 up in the first half to make it 2-0 on aggregate, I'd given up hope. But then Lampard made a substitution to bring on Jack Marriott a couple of minutes mm. before halftime, which many fans thought Good was odd. Away. But it was a masterstroke as he scored immediately and Leeds were well and truly shaken, both players Fucking and fans. I could f- you could feel it in the stadium that they were nervous. Derby came out second half and bossed the game going 3-1 up. Leeds got one back, but Derby held on for that famous winner, perhaps their biggest rivals after Forest. The game had extra spice due to the whole Spygate issue. Spygate? Yeah, they also were um, spying on their training and stuff like that, and taking notes. And <laughs> it was it was weird. It was a bit like it was a bit like football espionage. Not against <laughs> not against the rules. It just not against the rules. Just not sports. And he openly like, admitted it. We're like, yeah. The best thing about that. I'm sorry to get sidetracked about this, but the best thing he did about that is when he held a press conference about it, and <laughs> then been doing it. Yep. And he made everyone <laughs> sit there for about two hours while he took them through his why he did it and the and the notes that he got from it and how he incorporated it into his training. And he made yeah. he made the press who were at his throat sit there and watch this presentation. And he just he just had their life. They were all looking there for juicy quotes and everything, and he just made them watch this presentation. He's, he's brilliant. <laughs> What a bite. I love him. Um, uh, so, yeah, so the whole Spygate issue. So it was an incredible feeling to win after we looked dead and buried in the tie. It came straight after the Spurs comeback versus Ajax and the Liverpool versus Barcelona comeback, all in the space of a few days. I don't think that week of football will ever be bettered for me. I'm just impressed you said Ajax. I, well, you, you've, you've said this before. <laughs> I do know things, you know. Ajax. 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 <laughs> Why, why, why were Spurs playing against a cleaning product? No, I know what Ajax is. <laughs> but, Kurt, um, again, um, you're on um, probation now. You're not best boy for a while ago. <laughs> it's upsetting Kurt. Big E. It's upsetting you. <laughs> uh, I don't like to think about that. I mean, we did get promoted afterwards, so it doesn't matter. Who gives a fuck? Kurt's just coming in as the heel of our audience, isn't he? He is, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bided his time, didn't he? Absolutely. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, everything written in this week. Close the P.O. box forever. We're done. <laughs> Are we? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, excellent. Thank you for writing in, except for Kurt. Um, I enjoyed it. I, I bet you fucking did. Um, <laughs> yes, let's go to the socials and a sneak preview of what we'll be doing next week. You can find us on Twitter at Modern Escapism. On there, you'll find the link to all our episodes and socials. 
Uh, you can join us for a chat on Discord. We've got loads of channels. We're always active. We're always chatting away. Great people on our Discord. Love them all. Um, if you've got any comments, you can either tweet us or email us at modernescapismpod at gmail.com. If you like to watch Twitch streams, you can find us on twitch.tv slash modernescapism. On Saturday, Oodles Fable. Yeah, our flight simulator, one of the two. Uh, Monday, we got Biggie Dies. Biggie's carrying on with his playthrough of Dark Souls. Uh, Wednesday, Gadget and Stig, are you still playing Sea of Thieves? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, we'll do the, the next part of it. That was a good one last week. I enjoyed I it. After. So, does it have the Pirates of Caribbean music on it? No. Oh, enough, no. It has it like does. it has like a dun, 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 like it's gonna launch yeah. into it, but it never does. And you sit there, just mixing all the fucking It has pirates life for me in the background, just super slow. Does it? The annoying thing was I may catch it wait around while I was digging for treasure, doing this 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 little bit, and I was like, right, you've got to go here. You do that. Top streaming that. content. Him watching fucking YouTube videos on where the I wanted is. that gold. I wanted the gold behind <laughs> the lockdown. And the annoying thing was, we'd already put the captain's head on his body, and you need the captain's head to put on another skeleton. So we did all that with the last <laughs> stage of it. We couldn't all do for not all for nothing. Didn't get any nearly, other gold. I, I nearly put him in the brig. I was very annoyed mm. with him. Oh, like you did with me that time. But we got. We, we you just stole spent... the boat. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> I'm a pirate. It's commandeered. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we'll be definitely back for that. I really enjoy Sea of Thieves, so. I'd never be able to play that, that game single player, but I, li- I like it with mates. And then on Thursday, I've got my horror stream, Candy's Creature Feature. I'm continuing Those Who Remain. I started it last Thursday. What's your thoughts um, so far? Because I haven't watched it yet. It's, it's charming. It's not the best, but I don't hate it. It's probably going to mm. get a little bit repetitive, I would think. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I mean, I'm only a couple of hours into it, so I don't want to judge it too hard. Um, I did get stuck for an embarrassing amount of time last week, so sorry <laughs> about that. Probably not particularly entertaining um, viewing. Uh, uh, me and Punk did capture some top tier candy swearing as well. Oh, yeah, I was on one as well. I was on one last week. I sort of accidentally <laughs> mixed medications and went a bit loop de loo, but it was it was fun anyway. Um, all oh, our playthroughs anyway get uploaded to YouTube, which so you can watch it in your own time. Um, just do a search for Modern Escapism. Um, do a search in the channels, and we're really close to being being given our own personal link as well. So we need a twenty nine more subscribers. Twenty nine more subscribers, and we can get a personalized link so we can say youtubecom slash escapism. There you go. Twenty nine of you just need to subscribe, please, and then we'll have our own link, and it'd be lovely. Uh, we've got a Patreon that's already been spoken about. If you like our content and you're feeling generous. Uh, you can give us a bit of extra support at patreon.com slash modern escapism. Uh, three tiers, £5 for modern escapees, £5 for scorched sheep, and then £7.50 for the biggie bundle, and that gets you everything. Cool. Next week's subject in celebration of the 30th anniversary of Terminator 2, we're talking about the greatest robots. So who's your favourite robot of all time? Let us know in a message. Oh, that could be a long one. Oh, and he's going to go Gundam, isn't he? There will, there will, <laughs> there will definitely be some. Uh, there'll be a long some, discussion on the honourable mentions. Definitely, I'm sure. Some deep cut Gundams. <laughs> I think I know who I'm going to do. I'm not decided yet, but I've got a few ideas. Um, as always, if you've got a minute and you've enjoyed our pod, please give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it, and we read all of them, and it just helps us get seen. So, five star review if you've got time. That'd be lovely. Thank you very much. And thank you all for listening. If you are a patron of ours, we'll meet you around the back for a quick sig. 
and we'll have a little natter. But for everyone else, good night. I even tell I'm drunk.